0: Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. This is episode 88. We're almost to 100. Man, oh, man. Uh, Pierre Bernard from the Recliner of Rage segments on Conan O'Brien's show and Sergeant O'Brien in SG-1 is standing by with us, and we're going to bring him in in just a minute. Before we get started, if you like Stargate, and you wanna see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you click the like button. It makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend, and if you wanna get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live, and clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. This is a live show, so like um, the live episodes normally go, I will ask the guests uh, uh, their, uh, the questions that I have prepared, and we will go through a back and forth. And then about midway through the episode, uh, I will invite uh, the questions uh, that the moderators have been collecting from you in the audience to be... Uh, uh, to be invited to the guest so go ahead and start submitting those questions at youtube.com slash dial the gate for pierre now and we'll get them later on in this episode with this particular episode we actually have art submitted by pierre so we're also going to be talking about uh, those as well uh, while we go through uh, the program but without further ado let me introduce to you the man of the hour the man of the recliner of rage himself mr pierre bernard jr hello sir
1: Hello, everyone. How are you?
0: Greetings. (laughs) Live long and prosper. (laughs) Absolutely. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm pretty good. You know, when I did that just now, it dawned on me. We need a hand salute for Stargate. We do indeed. We don't have a salute. Only you know, military thing, that's just military. We need to have something that's exclusive to Stargate.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rick oftentimes he would he would do this and then just like you know like give the peace sign or something he would or right. you know like when he's saying goodbye to mayboard he takes the flowers and flaps them too you know he was what kind of a start i had to think about that yeah fandom that needs to get on that
1: i'm thinking
0: yeah you know some something i mean you know to... <laughs> oh, you had an opportunity that many fans can only dream about. Not only did you have a walk-on role, but you had a speaking part as well. Yes. Tell us about, and I want to get into the story of how that came about, but what did that feel like as a fan?
1: That, that was unreal. That's one of those memories where you I'll probably forget a lot of things, including my name. But that I will never forget the day I went into that room and stepped on that ramp to the gate and saw it in front of me. That just blew my mind. And, you know, I I believe they did catch that on camera and that was shown on air. That moment was as genuine as it could ever get. I mean, literally touching that gate and Uh realizing this is where I'm at. Somehow, my graphic career got me into the room on the set of my favorite TV show and I'm touching the main prop. I this is yeah that that moment was as surreal as it got. Uh, that moment and the moment of meeting Amanda Tapping when she walked around that corner from her trailer and she was there, my brain was like you know yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: there are no words that, that yeah, especially no words. with Amanda there, no there is there is some, she is she is a truly special human being and is one of and i'm sure you realize this as well one of the most genuine people you will ever meet she's the real deal she is the personification of grace and yes. and poise and beauty and intelligence there she has it all you know yes
1: you know I- I, I think I can safely say my years in working on Conan, I've I've encountered a lot of celebrities. And, you know, I know because of their status, they don't like to be bothered and stuff. So certain, they put up a certain type of wall that you just know not to cross. You know, don't bother them. If you see them, don't even greet them in some cases, just pretend they're not in that space. But what I experienced when I went to Vancouver, which I found was extremely unique, was that everyone was approachable. No one had that barrier. Even when I met Rick, you know, he's MacGyver. You know, if ever I expected someone to have people around him to keep people at a distance, but he was approachable, he was talkable, he, he, he engaged me. I was scared, like, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> someone's going to come jump any moment and go, get away, all right, all right, get away, you know, leave, leave him alone. But it, it, that, that moment never happened. They, they, The people out there, everyone on that set, from craft services to the actors, to the writers, producers, everyone was approachable, everyone was nice. Even when the cameras were off, because often you think, "Well, they got to be nice." The cameras are running; they're, they're not. You know. No, the, when the camera, when the cameras were off, they were even nicer, which was even. Exactly scarier. right. I was, like, I was constantly like, I, "That was the one thing." I, the, the big takeaway for me from being out there was that how genuinely nice everyone really are out there on that set, and I think that's what made that show so great. It, it that there. Who they are came across in their acting and their performance on the show, and the people involved in produ- producing the show and putting it together. Their, their their niceness, their core values, came out, and it just came into the show. And I think that's what made it so good. You I mean, hands down.
0: You had the benefit of being there when that show was in its eighth and tenth um, seasons, re- respectively. And it really was at that point a cemented family. They were going uh, into really basically bonus land with their seasons, and they knew it. And they they had an appreciation for the material. Not that they didn't before, but you know there was no. They knew that they were there because the fans loved them. Loved them, and you were an exemplification of that. You really were. Oh, thank you. Now, tell us about how you got into graphic design. Um, how How old were you when you started drawing? Tell us about your backstory. Where are you uh, from? What? What were there family members that got you into this?
1: I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York. Born in Bedford Stuyvesant. Uh, as far as art goes, I've been drawing as far back as I can really remember. I I have old coloring books from when I was a child, I still have some original artwork that I created uh, with pattern designs, which is something we'll talk about, but mm-hmm. pattern designing goes back to, I, I would say, age three or four. Wow. I, I really took interest in repeated images. Uh, my art history, it, and my dad was very encouraging as far as art being a hobby he wanted me to get a real career and in in his case he wanted me to be a jeweler he was a, he did watch repair and he wanted me to learn to do that as a trade to make money right and he told me i can do my art as a hobby but I, I knew once I put the loop on my eye, I knew this was not something <laughs> that was for <amazing>. me, <laughs> that went nowhere. But I, I pursued the art. My mom was very encouraging. When it came to high school, finally leaving uh, Catholic, what you call it, grade school, the 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 people at the at my parochial school recommended this school called High School of Art and Design in New York, and I applied and I got in. And that was the beginning, beginning of my art career. I did four years at Art and Design in New York. Uh, then towards the end, I was I got into the internship program. And something that rarely is mentioned, my internship was with Neil Adams of Continuity Associates. Okay. Yeah, Neil was. A, I was a huge fan of Neil. I to you know, I, I collected comic books and stuff. It never dawned on me that someday I would actually meet the, meet the man. Uh, I did, uh, during that time, prior to starting that internship, I interviewed at a couple of places. I interviewed at DC Comics, Marvel, Archie, and with Neil. Uh, at Marvel, I met a couple of people up there, and somehow I don't, I don't remember exactly at what point I knew Joe Rubenstein, if it was from continuity. Somehow I knew Joe Rubenstein. I think it was from, I met him at a comic gallery in New York, uh, but I'm not sure. I don't remember exactly how that, what happened. All I do remember is that one day I was in Marvel's lobby in New York and Rubinstein saw me there and he took me in and he introduced me to Marie Severin and from there, Marie introduced me to a couple of other people in the bullpen, and there was a guy named Mori Komachi or Comucho. i don't remember—pronounce his last name. But he was a bullpen artist, and he took me under his wing because he loved my lettering style. Mm. And he started training me. He gave me a bunch of blank pages and would have me do copy a comic book, bring him back, criticize it, give me more pages, <laughs> and went on for a while. And in the meantime, I started my internship with Neil. And I remembered at one point a critique Neil gave me. I still remember this critique. And it it hurt. I showed him some comic pages I I drew. And he sat there. He looked at it. And then he goes, hands them back to me. He goes, nice lettering. (laughs) And he went back to work. (laughs) Needless to say, a few months later, Marvel Comics gave me my first lettering job. Hey, you know. It worked. And after Marvel, somehow I got connected with Jack Adler. I don't remember exactly how that worked out. But Jack loved what I was doing and started giving me regular work at DC. And at the time, they couldn't find people to work on a lot of the horror magazines. I told him, yeah, I love that stuff. So if you look at the horror magazines from the late 80s to about the early 90s, that was all me doing a lot of lettering wow. in those magazines. And at some point, once I, once I left college and I started working, I went into advertising. And this is when things started changing. The comic lettering started to go away. I started focusing more on storyboards and comps with a company called Dancer Fitzgerald and Sample in New York. They're in the Chrysler building. I did that for a couple of years. And after a couple of years there, I went freelance and that wasn't working out. Then out of the blue, some, an ex of mine called me up. She was working at Newsweek Magazine and told me they needed someone to help them with comps. And at the time, comp presentation. And at the time I remembered I wanted to be an illustrator so I was dead focused on being an illustrator, which was not what my dad wanted to hear. He, he <laughs> would come home, find me sitting in the living room, and it's like you know, you know the type of conversations that will occur. What are you doing you know, with Why are you working? Right. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, when she called up about this job, Newsweek magazine needed help putting together a presentation. I figured, you know what? I'm going to take this job. She told me it was a couple of days. It's going, I figured, take the job. I'll do it this way. My dad will be happy. He sees I'm working again. <laughs> you know, make easy. right here. He won't find me sitting around in the living room. So I took the job at Newsweek. It went full week. They liked it. They asked me to come back the following week. I came back the following week. And before I knew it, the the department had four different art directors who worked on different clients because what basically they were doing was creating advertising for the magazines. They had different, each one had different clients that they worked with and they needed presentations Mm. created and they needed someone who could work quick, really fast, which is something I'm really capable of doing. Mm. So each one would say, you go can you work on my project can you work on my project oh they're pulling at it,
0: you from different directions
1: yes oh dang was, this is it so became, rough oh it, it was rough <laughs> it became a full-time job wow. five days a week and because initially when we first when i first booked the gig because i thought it was only a couple of days i asked for a, a, the highest amount of pay that i could get per hour as a freelancer you know figuring it's a like two days of work right but because of because that was already established as my pay and now we went into a five-day week kind of situation need to say within a few months my student loans were paid off
0: good for you I, I,
1: yeah it was like yeah newsweek was incredible wow. i i can't that that was a magic moment the only reason that ended was because at some point they were getting into tax issues with their setup and they had bought in this new person who, at the time, the Macintosh was brand new, came and pulled, called us all into the office and basically said, if you can figure out how to use this machine in the next two weeks, you all will have a job. And if you can't, you're gone. Given that none of us had computers, they weren't buying us computers in <laughs> two weeks, you know, for some, yeah, I was gone. But that was, after that, I think within a few months, I met up with a, a friend of mine. We, oh, we rented some space in the city and we bought computers. At the time, a Macintosh computer was like buying a car.
0: It was a big a deal. Yeah, It was
1: a huge deal. I still saved the receipt because when I tell people how much this thing cost yeah. me, it was a, a Macintosh FX. It only had two gigs of RAM. I bumped it up to eight gigs of RAM. Uh, the hard drive, I think, was 200 and something megabytes. Megabytes, gigabyte, yeah. <laughs> megabytes. Uh, the printer was this huge NTX printer. It's huge, bulky thing. The Wacom tablet was this huge, bulky thing. All in all, I spent 17 grand on this computer. This was money I had saved from Newsweek, but I looked at it as an investment. Correct. And I'm so glad I did that because I, I was able to self-learn and self-train myself using this is
0: before youtube or such and such for dummies and all of that you had to figure it out
1: yeah totally i mean photoshop at the time when when you applied filter was a issue of typing in numbers into a box and then clicking and hoping what comes out is what you want yeah there was no previews no anything and illustrator was a a huge pain to work with. I mean, yeah, but I I learned, I trained myself on the programs and, and over time somehow Prudential Security came into the picture. I don't remember if someone I knew, I think someone I knew contacted me that they were looking for someone to do graphic design on the computer at Prudential Securities and at the time I thought, okay, I'll go back to a nine to five and I was so glad I did because this opened my, it took me in another direction entirely, given that I was kind of new with the computer. Now I was going to w- work on Wall Street wearing suit and tie every day, and I felt freaking cool. You know, I, I think it's <laughs> the coolest thing to be wearing a suit and tie and carrying your briefcase, and you're a graphic artist. Yeah. That, that was such a cool life. And working at Prudential was a, was a, A dream. It was fun. It was every, even though there was a ton of work. I mean, kept long hours there, but it was just fun work. Going on press runs and press checks, and it it was just being in that financial environment. I know a lot of people might think it was it could be boring, but I I, I found it exciting and fun.
0: How does this lead to Conan and animating on Conan?
1: What what, the what led to Conan? uh, Prior to all of this. This goes even further back, going back now, back to college days. I went to Parsons School of Design. They had a job or an office where they had job postings. One day I answered a post of someone saying they needed a graphic artist temporarily to do some graphics. They didn't say exactly what, but it was illustration work. So I I called up and it turned out it was NBC. What they needed was an artist to come in a couple of days a week, per year to fill in for their regular artists on the David Letterman show. Okay. And I applied for it I, and I did that during that time. And if somehow we, we, they no longer needed me and we never, we didn't keep in touch, but years later going towards the Prudential end, what do you call it? This was around the time when, what do you call it? Carson retired.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, and then uh, L- took took the whole over.
1: thing and Conan was coming in. The person I worked for years ago remembered me and she wow. called me up and said, I need an illustrator because what do you call it? Letterman took the staff away and we right. need an illustrator for this new show that's coming up. Would you be interested to come in for a couple of days a week? And it talk about timing. At and this time, is why you
0: never change your phone number, folks. Right oh, there.
1: <laughs> probably. You never change your number. And always be open to yes. opportunities. Correct. From even wherever if, they come even, from. Yeah. Even if it might seem weird, as long as it's nothing that's going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. I always say be open to the yeah, opportunities. Yeah, try it. Always, Yeah, try it. So I totally yes. At the time, my dad was dealing with cancer. And he was towards the end of his life. And I figured I, Prudential, at some point, I was going to have to leave them anyway because mm-hmm. of what was going on at home mm-hmm. because they needed so much of my time. Mm-hmm. So I worked out a thing with the guy at the art, in our art department where I could go work at NBC a couple of days a week, and I would give them a couple of days a week at Prudential, and everyone seemed to be happy with that. Uh, the stuff I was doing at NBC was illustration, and I could illustrate in my sleep. And not <laughs> Well, it wasn't strenuous work. I could do it and go home and be with my family. Yeah. Uh, but over time, NBC started adding the days. They needed more and more of my time. And eventually I just realized within a couple of months that can't do it having all. the dual job wasn't working. Yeah, so especially I, with what's I, going on at home. Oh, yeah. So I, I figured I'll take on the easier job which was NBC, and I would just leave them when, when things were done. When my dad passed, I would just leave and go look for another job. Mm. Uh, so at one point, which was even funnier, at one point I got a call from someone at Letterman. I won't say who, but it was someone from their art department wanted to know if I would be interested in coming to work for them. <laughs> I was thinking at the time I didn't know. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought about it. I did I, think about it right. Because, but then I thought, you know, the reason I took NBC on was because of what's going on at home. I right. I, I I don't want to move around and stuff. I just wanna do my job. Especially if they've go been good to you.
0: you. Yeah. You know, why rock yeah. that?
1: Yeah, why well, rock that? So I, I turned that down and I stayed with with Conan. I'm so glad I did because it, it, in, in the early days of Conan, if you've seen any of the early tapes of his interviews, that, what do you call it, right knee of his got a lot of action. It was <laughs> bouncing up and down, a lot of hair stuff. Oh, yeah, I know. It, it was like watching a deer in headlights. And it was like, <laughs> my God, what did I just do to my career?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all writing on this one guy and whether yeah. or not he's successful with his audience and with his guests, you know? Yeah. That's really yeah. what it comes to. The show is invested in that and you doing everything you can, all of you, to make that as, as make great happen. as possible.
1: Yeah, and not to mention, I, I realized at the time, given what's going at home, I need an income. I, I cannot yeah. not have an income, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that that was worrying me whether this show was going to make it. I mean, there were days you couldn't even get people off the street to come upstairs. It, it was just, it was that kind of stuff. But over time, and I think within a year or two, things started to feel better. And the NBC started extending the contracts, I think from six months to longer periods. And things were looking good. And then I think it was about four years into the show at this point. And my dad had already passed away, but I was still there. Uh, The thought of leaving wasn't high on my thing anymore because I was having fun. The the work was fun. The the illustration stuff they were having me do was fun, but I was pretty much still keeping to myself up there. But one day one of the writers asked me if I would be willing to do a bit and stand on the street corner in, in Rockefeller Center for a photo shoot hold being one of those street vendors selling watches at the time I thought to myself no I'm not doing that that's some stereotype thing you you want me to do not to mention I have a lot of friends who work downtown at Prudential they're going to see this I correct it's a small city yeah I'm thinking I don't want to be seen wearing a sweatsuit like that coming from suit and tie but something, I don't know what it was inside of me, but something said, you know what, Pierre, go out of your comfort level. Just do it. Have fun with it. So I told them yes. And I shot that picture. Then as weeks progress and they're doing their comedies, they would ask me to do different things. And one was be Mr. Spock at a money exchange thing. Yeah, some weird stuff, but I did them. And then one day, all of this, now I think we're going into four or five years into the show. One day, one of the writers, Brian, Brian Stack, calls me up on a Monday morning, and he goes, Pierre, how was your weekend? And we're talking on the phone. He's a couple of floors above, and we're talking and he's going, Pierre, how's your weekend? And he's asking, what, you, what did you do this weekend? And I'm telling him, and he goes, and I told him, oh, dude, particularly that weekend, I was trying to convert my record collection into MP3 files. Yes. And I bought yes, this that's thing right. Called, yeah, I bought this thing called an iMic that wasn't working. And I started explaining to him what was going wrong with it. And he goes, You know what? He goes, I gotta go, but could you do me a favor, write this down in an email and send it to me?
0: This is this could and be I'm, a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, in my head, I'm thinking write this down, send it, right. you know, you, you, you gotta go. Why, why do you, Yeah. but I did it. I wrote it down in the an email and I sent it to him. Then uh, it was a late afternoon. I'm called downstairs to come to the studio for a blocking. And I'm thinking, all right, they're going to use me on something, but never done. And no one explained to me what it was. And at the time I never, I, because I never was outside of my office, I never really got haircuts, so my hair was all over the place, and you know, <laughs> it was kept but unkept, right and, But I came down, I did the blocking, I figured, you know, I'm not going to really be on camera per se, so how I look wasn't an issue. But then I would say about half an hour prior to airtime going live, they come to me, they call me back down, and they give me a script, and Brian goes, "Pierre. You're going to read what you just sent me today. I made a couple of changes, but you're going to basically read what you just told me today, and you're going to sit in that recliner. <laughs> so that's how
0: it was born.
1: That was how it was born. Oh. <laughs> that was how it was born. Uh, yeah, so that and, was your uh,
0: first bit, converting uh, uh, records to mp Yeah, MP3. live,
1: talking bit. Yeah, that was my first talking bit on the, on the would- first... Yeah. So
0: talk about being outside of your comfort zone. And oh, they just threw yeah. this at you and said, Go for yeah. it. They didn't yeah, say, no. Would you be comfortable with this? Is this something that interests you? Up we to need that this. Point,
1: I always said yes. So they didn't see, see a problem. That I think that's one of the things I was mentioning earlier. Whenever some an offer comes up to you, yeah. if it's not something that's gonna put you way out of your comfort zone or something that you just disagree yes. with
0: fundamentally, you know. yeah. I mean, because I, I one remember. way or another, do it.
1: Yes, that's yeah. it. Because I, re- rem- I remember when they first asked me to do those still photos, I, I I don't believe I was the first person they approached, but the other people who I worked with at the time, they said no, and they didn't want to do it. When they came to me, I said yes. You know, I am so glad I did say yes. I could have easily said no, I'm not comfortable with it, but in my head, I thought, you know, I got to try it.
0: Here, here's the thing, you know, in watching you for all these years, the, you, um, you put yourself out there to be laughed at. Yeah. Which is, which is you, you, and you're recognizing that you have a sense of timing that is just a little different, but that makes for humor, you know that the average joe watching at home can say you know what i like this guy i like him a lot you know and but you were willing to go out there and say you know what yeah let's do this bit i mean that was a thing that was happening to me this weekend this is what i was doing if you think it's funny let's go for it you know let yeah, the audience exactly. de- let let the audience de- decide
1: so exactly. and then they just kept on doing it yeah we just kept wow. on doing it and eventually i think it was the fifth one in was stargate. Yeah. I remember again, this was a weekend where I was working on an art project. I used to do pointillism and I needed something on in the background. And at the time I had an episode, I had channel nine in New York on, and they were showing reruns of stargate and the episode I it's come to known as small victory was on. I didn't know the title at the time. All I know is that I, I heard it, it, it these characters, I saw them running around in the submarine. Right. These little things moving around and stuff, and I, I stopped what I was doing. And I'm like, "Wow, this is really cool. What is this?" <laughs> and that was my intro to Stargate.
0: Small victories. That's a good yeah. show.
1: Yeah, that was my intro to Stargate. From that moment, I was I was hooked.
0: Did you go and get the DVDs started... at this point? What, no, what was, was a, your? There how there did you approach DVDs the show? Yet.
1: DVDs didn't. Okay. I don't think it d- existed yet for Stargate at that point. At, at least I wasn't aware okay. of it. I, I just started I just made it a point to uh, to watch the scheduling when Stargate was being repeated or Got shown it. on TV. Eventually, I found it live on cable and I, I, I forgot at what what season what season I think it had to have been around late season six or maybe early season seven when I actually started watching it in in real time on cable. I don't remember which cable channel at the time along with the repeats but anyway that was that weekend I saw that episode and Monday came and Brian called up at this point we I knew the routine he was my therapist I sat on the phone couch and I told him my problem I told him about the show and he told me to write it up and yeah I wrote it up and next thing I knew we did it so this is uh,
0: the Stargate is SG one is better without Daniel Jackson bit. Correct. Exactly. So that's season six that that Corin Nemec uh, had uh, replaced Michael, and by right. season seven Michael was back. So you had to right. have been it was exposed to some season six episodes at that point at the very least. Right.
1: Right. That wow. that sounds about right. Wow. And so
0: so you do the bit. Everyone yeah, gets a huge yeah, laugh yeah. out of it. Conan yeah. says his obligatory, uh, you know, I think probably two two people in the audience recognize that, what that is, you know, um, gets a huge laugh.
1: Then yeah, what? A couple of weeks later, I know I I've saved this letter. I have to find it. I received a letter uh, and it's, it basically said they thought the bit was funny. And if I was ever in Vancouver, that they would love to give me a, a guest spot on the show. Wow. At the time, I thought I was being spoofed by the staff because I the writers were constantly ribbing me going, I bet you got an ego now that, you know, you have a little fan base. People know you. So I, I figured that letter was a joke on their end. They were, you know, so I didn't I wasn't going to play along with it. So I brought the letter to our head writer and I said, Sweeney, I got this in the mail. Did you see this? Of course he didn't see it, but he goes, what is this? And I tell yeah. him what it is. And he, he made a copy of it. And he said, he's going to look into it. And I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, right. You're going to look into
0: right. it. <laughs> I'm going to be up a Creek. You guys are going to, this'll be the next bit.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but long and behold, I, I saved the voicemail. I, I got a phone call and a message was left on my phone, my cell phone. And it was from Vancouver. And they were—they wanted to follow up on plans on my coming out. I wasn't fully aware that my writer, the head writer, had already. They started contacting them.
0: Oh, he was things were already
1: rolling. So I got this phone call on myself telling me this stuff, and I'm like, you know, I'm sort of caught off guard. But yeah, it turned out they wanted me out there. When I got out there, they were under the impression that I was a professional actor doing a bit. <laughs> the jokes on I'm known. a graphic designer
0: who does the occasional comedy bit. Here you go.
1: Yeah, the jokes are them. But oh, it was it, yeah that and it, everything just followed accordingly. It was just talk about perfect timing. Perfect so time.
0: the episode, which is zero hour, yes. um, dovetailed with another sketch for the show so they got mileage out of this as well going up there and shooting this thing oh yes. and if you watch the conan segment a couple of the shots are different too even they they maximize the humor element for uh for the the conan episode uh even yes. handing over a couple of shots that, that are focused more on you which yes. i thought was just fantastic so yes. it really worked tell us about working uh on set, was that who directed Zero Hour? Let me see. I should have known that. Was that a Delaweez episode? Let's see here.
1: I don't think it was Delaweez, but I don't remember right offhand. Let's have
0: a look. Zero Hour. You shared the scene with RDA, and uh, Peter West directed the episode, and so yes, Peter. You, Peter. so you you took um, Gary Jones's position yes. for this episode, and uh, we're working with Rick. Tell us about this experience
1: working with Rick was a dream. I mean, I, I was a fan of MacGyver mm. and meeting him for the first time again, like I said earlier, I, 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 I expected to meet someone who was going to be nice to me, but you know, they keep that wall in place right. and there would be people around to say, all right, Pierre, you know, it's time to move on kind of right. thing. But that, that never occurred. He was just so genuinely nice and wanted to know about me and talk. And when the camera was off, he was constantly telling me, check out the tuna fish sandwich on the <laughs> catering table. The catering was
0: good. I really yeah. love the catering, got to say. Oh, yeah,
1: And at one point, somehow photography came up and it just so happened, that, I guess at the time, he had a curiosity in 3d photography mm. and i happen to love ViewMaster, master and i had a i was into 3d photography as well so we we started sharing that and talking about that i sent him a 3d camera i don't know if he ever used it or not but when i went back out there the second time i think i we briefly met and at the time not think we did meet briefly At the time, we talked about 3D camera, and it was just so happened, the timing was just perfect. I was in my zombie makeup, and Amanda Tapping happened to be in the area, and the three of us pretended to be zombies, and Ah! shot it with a 3D camera. I tried to find the actual photo so I can show you guys, but I don't know if you can see that. Hang on here. Uh
0: (laughs) I see you and her.
1: Yeah, it's a cool photo when you look at it with a three D three D glasses because their arms are sticking out, coming at you.
0: Wow, that's legit. Yeah,
1: yeah it, it it was a cool photo we shot. Yeah, so yeah, they called me out the second time. The second time coming out there was partially courtesy of a guy named John Murphy. I believe his his name. Uh, John, he was a producer and director, and he was directing uh i think it, the title of the bit was called behind the gate at the time yes. they were in, they were beginning to introduce i believe stargate atlantis correct and he he played a part in getting in having me come out there to interview the cast that that was another one of those moments where i can't believe this is happening i get the i get the call and i'm asked would you be interested in interviewing the cast of Stargate and this new show we're going to start called Stargate Atlantis? Duh! I, yeah, of course I'm going yes. to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there you was crazy. No yeah, there's no way I'm going to say no. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I was flown out there again. And it was like, you talk about lightning striking twice. Yeah, I got to... Uh, sit and interview all these great people and there's so much incredible behind the scenes stuff that didn't make it on air because our show shot, Conan shot a lot of stuff. He showed some of it and I think behind the gate showed some of it as well Mm -hmm. but there's so much cool interaction that occurred out there that is just yeah, it's it's the memories that I'll never forget.
0: So it was a total of three visits up there?
1: Yeah, the third, okay. yeah. The, the third was the third, 200. Uh, yeah, the, the final one, again, another call. I, I, I'm telling you, at this point, it, I did not become jaded or or like took this for granted because mm. getting that third call, it was like, whoa, you guys want me again? Of course I'm going to do it. Yeah. But I... I can't believe my luck in life that yeah. three times like this, I'm, I'm being called out there. Uh, I went out. And it's just so happens right next door on that lot was the soundstage to Battlestar Galactica. Yes. And the, a a woman, I don't, I regret, I don't remember her name right off the bat. And I, if she's listening or is aware, I, I I really apologize for not remembering because I'm really bad with names. She was, uh, I I believe her title was a, a producer she worked for nbc but i don't remember her title exactly Okay. but she saw me on the set of stargate we had broken for lunch or something and she goes would you want to come over and meet grace park mm-hmm. and i was like yeah oh <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> you want me to be a cylon uh yeah. pull my leg <laughs>
1: So she took me over. I met her. It was just so cool, and they took me on a quick tour of the set and the bridge room where she killed a uh, uh, shot Adama. Yes, on and, the CIC table. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I think I think I sent you a photo. Of I have me it and her right
0: now. Yep,
1: doing that scene of uh, of her. <laughs> yeah, that that was like, <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> You want
0: to talk about another great show is Galactica. Oh, it was fantastic. Terrific. Fantastic. What, uh, what an experience, man. Holy cow to, I mean, to, to have your fandom recognized, uh, and, you know, and also the creation, uh, convention as well that they shot, you know, they shot, they shot that clip as well.
1: And it's go ahead. No, I was going to say at the creation convention that was the first time I met Gary, Gary Jones.
0: Yes. He's a
1: fantastic guy. I want to say we're friends. I hope he sees, I am not overstepping my boundaries by saying we're friends. He's an amazing artist. I've seen him draw and he's just incredible. Uh, And he's, we did a lot of uh, interacting and stuff and shot a lot of stuff at that convention, which I don't think ever made air, but, a lot of it was just funny. It was great material. It was.
0: My I have an a a bit of an issue with the the um the the convention bit. Um <laughs> as a sci-fi fan, growing yeah. up as a sci-fi fan, there is a certain element of stigma that goes along with it. Oh, you like that. You know, especially coming from a small town of 5,000 people that, I mean, if you don't think that football, uh, the the sun rises and sets on the world of, of football, then there's something wrong with you. Um, but they did kind of play that element in that bit, especially when you're talking with the gentleman who's who's giving the joke about, about I think, temperature. There is a certain element of buffoonery that they were playing up. And I hate I, – I that really just kind of makes me jaded because it's like – You know, they, a lot of, and MTV did this for a while as well. They had like some kind of a fandom show as well that just, I mean, just took pot shot after pot shot at weird people that the average normie out there could laugh at. And I wasn't thrilled with that particular sequence. Even though it did get to highlight you and you got to go to the creation convent, I I really, and and it got taped and, and shown to the world, I really walked away feeling from that bit like they were saying, look at all those weirdos. Aren't you glad you're not one of them? But Pierre, he's a good guy. He's one of us. you know. Yeah. Did you get that vibe at all? And I mean, talking about it years later.
1: You know, I would have to rewatch that okay. particular segment because I honestly don't remember it okay. that, that well. Uh, that said, <clears throat> what you're saying is a point that I'm very sensitive to. And it, it forms a lot of my opinion about people who attend conventions and, and stuff of that nature. It drives me crazy when people who are not fans or, or of anything mm. then want to jump on board and they become these wannabes. they somehow want to own the environment, when they're, they're not really sincere about wanting to be part of the mm. and part of the environment. It goes to what you're talking about. They they see people like me and the other fans as people to make fun of. I that bugs me. That totally bugs the hell out of me. Uh, that said, I just know they exist, and I tend to mm-hmm. ignore them. You know, in the in terms of what you're saying about that segment, from my perspective, I don't remember it. Like I said, I don't remember that that moment well. But one of the things I've always keep uh, kept in my head whenever I do any kind of comedy bit is that, yeah, I know there are people in that audience. Some will, ha- will laugh with me and some will laugh at me. Maybe there will be more people who are laughing at me than they are laughing with me, but guess what? I don't care. Good because for you. One, once the bid is, Oh, I'm having fun, which is right. the important thing. I, it's my motto. If I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. Yep. You can't convince me to do it, but I'm having fun. In some cases, I'm getting some kind of payment for it. Right, exactly. And then exactly. It, after it's over, I get to go home and be among the things I love. So yes. I I don't care if you're laughing at me. I would prefer you're laughing with me. But if you're laughing at me, knock yourself out. Yeah, <laughs> you going, know, you're I doing this
0: professionally, you know. You're not, you know, repairing watches. Right. You, know, you are doing something that you love to do. And yes, that's just sure. terrific. Before yes, I... So- Oh
1: Yeah. So when I go to comic conventions, for example, I remember it a couple of years ago and I, I mentioned this on Facebook and a couple of people took, it didn't take offense, but they were, they were questioning my thinking on this. And I mentioned that people, there should be some kind of exam or uh, license giving to people to order to attend a comic. <laughs> I really believe that okay. because I, I remember there was one year I went to a convention. And there was a, what they call booth babe was there. And the guys wanted to take photos with her and stuff. And I was standing at that booth because I think the owner of that booth at the time knew who I was and He wanted a photo with me mm-hmm. and the people at his booth. And she she made a comment to me I don't know. If she, it, it, I guess she's not a fan, obviously. But she made a comment to me about the booth babe, the, the fan, employee at the booth. Yeah, the booth babe okay. employee made a comment to me. She didn't say it loud for anyone to hear it, but to me, thinking I would, I would agree that she did not like the these guys coming near her, taking the photos. Some of them smell. I, I, I'm hearing the negativity. Of course, some of them smell. They don't shower.
0: <laughs> but, some of us are not that great at it. I don't but, care if you're a Stargate or a sci-fi fan or not. Some of us just are not that great I, yeah. at it.
1: But I, I, I what my t- from hearing the way she was talking, it went beyond that. She just simply did not On want to the be there. Yeah. She yeah. didn't want to have any part of it and she felt like she sounded like someone who felt she was above it all yeah. and my thinking is i i get it this is a job you're an attractive woman that's why they hired you yeah. to be in that booth
0: it's a trade show quite
1: frankly they're attractive women who are fans that could have yeah. been hired for that job and yeah. i feel the comic environment yeah we want to be open to everyone we don't want to become that exclusive club and shut people out the way we've been shut out of certain things but I, I think if you're going to go to Comic-Con to make that experience right, you need to have real comic mm-hmm. people in that environment. And everyone who's a wannabe fan who just wants to be there to be able to tell their friends, yeah, I was around the geeks, they shouldn't be there. They should be thrown out. They should be shunned.
0: Yeah, are you are looking and for I, material? I, said, uh, I mean,
1: yeah, is that I, the I, reason? So Yeah, I, I, even with the studios, if you're, if you're not serious about the fandom, Go away Oh create your own convention. I'm sure you'll get a few sucker fans who will come to your convention. But give us a space where real fans, people like me, can come in and be appreciated and feel comfortable and not feel like we're being made fun of or mocked for what we love, you know?
0: I think uh, that in the last few years, especially like the last decade, the the, the ascendance the ascendancy of fandom has has taken place, and I think um, that uh, like so, Star Wars has obviously become very mainstream. Iron Man and and the MCU that came after it have have become absolutely mainstream. Um, Star Trek and a couple of the others still feel like they're trying to like tap into that. I don't know how big of a fan you are of the JJ verse Star Trek movies. They're trying to be like kind of more mainstream accessible like Star Wars, but Stargate, I still get that vibe when, um, uh, I talk with people about it or I talk with people in the industry about it. They're kind of like, oh, Stargate, you know, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that that's cute and all, but it was on for 17 seasons, you know, for 350 yeah. hours of television. They were doing something right, you know. Oh, totally. Um, and I think that uh, its star is, is still set to rise.
1: So, oh, yeah. You know, on the one hand, I, I, I'm excited and hopeful that Stargate will become a huge thing. But on the other hand, I don't want it to become huge in the sense that it becomes a celebrity-driven vehicle
0: something that it's not sp- uh, you know yeah it, it, yeah tell us good I, stories
1: I, yeah i want it to be about the story i want it to be about the character i don't want to find out that the rock is playing you know general o'neill you know i, hear, right. I don't <laughs> yeah. you know i don't uh, or what's what's the name the singer is playing amanda tapping i i, I, amanda I,
0: Tapping's character? I yeah. you know yeah.
1: what i mean i, I I, I hope it never gets to that kind of yeah. show. I, I worry when I, I've been reading lately that there are talks going on and they're looking at reboots and, and stuff. And I'm thinking, all right, I hope whoever is putting this together, is not going to cast the latest rapper and R&B singers to play the roles. And, you know, I, I, I just I, I hope this Stargate will always be about the story. Yep. and yep. not about who's in the role right and, and about the characters themselves the yeah yeah
0: agreed absolutely before i get to the artwork that you've sent me can you tell show me a little bit about uh uh what's behind you here i love your uh blanket for one is oh. it a blanket or a a throw yeah
1: it's a throw it's one this of this is the so new cool i don't know if you can see the dots on there
0: yes it's,
1: it's, i mean the circles
0: the circles.
1: Yeah, it's all from my stuff that I'm selling on my website now. Pierre Bernard, uh, pierrebernard.com.
0: pierrebernard.com.
1: Oh, I all should right. say pierrebernardjunior.com. Jr. JR,
0: right? Bernard. J-R. Yeah, JR. Pierrebernardjr.com. Jr., Let's check it out yeah. here. Did you send me a picture of that?
1: Yes, I I'm think I I'm thinking that
0: you did here. Let me have a look here. Uh pierre Bernard, wearable really design is it wearable beard. designs? Yeah. Yes, wearable designs. Okay, let's pull that up. Very cool, man. Thank you. All right, how long has this been going?
1: Uh, The website literally Uh is is fresh. It's only been two months on the website.
0: Okay. But I've been
1: doing circles for the last, I would say the last 15 years at least. I've seen you,
0: yeah, a lot of your art... And I'll go back to what's, what's also behind you here in just a minute here. But I yeah. want to, because we're on the subject, uh, a lot of your art does um, have this kind of concept of, of circles. Are you, just, are you attracted to the, the design or just the, the pattern? What is it that keeps on pulling you back to that kind of look?
1: Well, to begin with, circles have always been something I I love doing. Whenever I would be on the phone talking to people, sometimes I would have a notepad nearby. Mm -hmm. I would just be doodling circles while talking, and one day I just looked at it and thought, "Huh, this would make a great background pattern in something." And I used it. I was using it as background. Some point it, it evolved, and I suddenly realized I can do drawings with it and I started doing a series of portraits of different celebrities Uh, this was about four or five years ago I found some what you call Japanese ink pen gel pens in different colors that I could work with that I can do really detailed portraits and I did a bunch of portraits of Prince, Lucy, uh, uh, David Grohl uh, the robots want to touch comas from Ghost in the Shell, the Yellow Submarine. Wow. And those, from those little circles, I suddenly one morning woke up and thought, what if I did these things huge on a canvas? And I did a picture of Agent Carter. And that turned okay. out well. And from that, I started moving into doing abstract images with just circles non-representational and that just kept evolving more and more and then my love for patterns uh, comes from when I was young a child and that was always a reoccurring thing in my artwork I would throw patterns into the background and I got one day this idea what if I created some of these patterns with circles Mm -hmm. and that that evolved into this It, it just yeah it just Everything just occurred. It one, It would be one morning I'm listening to something and I, a light bulb goes off and I try it on paper or canvas and it just kept evolving into what I'm doing now with these fabric designs.
0: And of course, I mean, you want to talk about circles. Yes. Know, the Stargate itself, you know? Yes. I think subliminally there's something going on there probably too.
1: Uh, probably. You know, mentioning Stargate, I have a pattern I'm wor- I've been working on for the last six months. I was hoping I would get it done. I could speed it up to show you something mm. on air. It's a Stargate related pattern, but I figured I'm not going to rush it because well, I find yeah. I need to take my time and yeah. work these things out. We'll have you back right.
0: when it's ready. You let me know and we'll, no, we'll make it happen definitely. for sure. Yeah. This is so cool, man. I'm just you know checking out um, some of some of your designs here. And um, let, me, let me pull up a couple of these others just for a second here. So I've been showing, showcasing the, the, the circles that you've done on screen and then uh dragon con uh, drawing workshop art supplies. This is really cool.
1: Yeah. Dragon con was so cool. Uh, after the dragon con recliner rage that I did complaining about the badge, they invited me out one year and, my God, talk about the greatest convention on earth.
0: I've heard. I've heard. That, I've not had the yeah. chance yet, but.
1: I'll make it a point. The moment yes. that's back, Dave, trust me on this. Everyone who's listening, if you've never been, you want to go to a real comic convention or real convention that's about us, the fans, yep. and not about nonsense, go to D- Dragon Con, hands down. Any celebrity that you're trying to meet at, Comic Con San Diego, and I hope I'm not giving out a secret here, but any celebrity that you're spending money getting autographs in San Diego, you will meet them on the street, and they will party with you. Yes,
0: it's a big Dragon, party.
1: Dragon Con is what San Diego—I mean, not San Diego, but Vegas—is to gamblers. Yeah, that's so, Comic Con is a, a trade
0: us. show, you know, and yeah. it's for it's for exposure of a product um for and that's one of the reasons that the news stories just abound with it uh for for anything that's coming out that's their big advertising push dragon con is about the fan experience and it's a lot about a lot of alcohol
1: (laughs) hey it's it's part of it yeah yeah, i yeah i'm telling you go to dragon con you'll never sleep plan to not sleep yeah that's the first thing because it's round the clock partying the first year i went there i forgot the main hotel that i was in at one point around four in the morning they had to shut the lobby down the fire department was called because the lobby was packed, packed. 4 a.m this is wow. this is a literally a 24 hour a day four day convention it does not stop, From stop. the moment you arrive there is something to do till you depart the yeah. It, Crazy. It's insane. It's insane. I love that convention. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the people. Y- you make new friends there. And yeah, it's just, yeah, it's the and great. This movie.
0: My Little Pony, uh, Recliner of Rage Stargate. This is so cool.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes, that was part of a charity drive for Stargate at the convention. Uh, they mailed me oh. a blank pony and they asked me to paint it. And wow. I used glow-in-the-dark paint, and yeah. How yeah, it cool was fun. is
0: that? Do you remember how much it sold for?
1: I don't remember offhand how much it sold for, but I do know a friend of mine, she owns it. Oh, that's she great. It. She bought it on the charity. Yeah,
0: The charity um, component to these events has always just been uh, so extraordinary. You know, the The, the desire to give back. You know, to the, from appreciation of what we've been given as fans in terms of great entertainment and then turning our, turning that around and giving back what we can, even if it's a buck or two, you know, to an event uh, or to a cause that the people who are all in this together really think is important. You know, uh, for, for the longest time, you know, a lot of uh, the the charity events uh, and uh, the, the things that, that vancouver the uh british studios put on went to benefit uh vancouver children's uh children's hospital british columbia bc children's hospital you know i mean you just can't you, you can't you know blink at that absolutely any any opportunity to give you know is and to give back is really cool that is a great great uh thing
1: and also i i think a quick note just for the stargate fans Every year that I've, I, I attended at least DragonCon, I recall, and I'm sure this has been consistent, even during the years I wasn't there. The Stargate group raised the most money at the convention for the charities.
0: Wow. I mean, yeah,
1: Stargate is hardcore out there. I mean, wow. there's a lot of people attending when they, uh, on Saturday mornings at DragonCon, there's a two mile parade. Of everyone in their cosplay and the Stargate group is there to impress. You you it there's nothing like it. The there are some these are some amazing people. Yeah. Do you
0: know Marsha Middleton?
1: Yes, I know Marsha. One Marcia. of my
0: favorite human beings on the planet. Marsha is a delight.
1: She is the person who introduced me to Dragon Con. Wow, there we <laughs> yeah. go. Yes, she we met at what you called san diego yeah he said do you know about this convention i was like no i don't know. she goes you should come out and i well yeah. oh, give me the information and yeah that's how that began
0: wow well man the next one absolutely i i will be there uh, absolutely to, to hang out and especially after everything that we've been through this past year and a half oh. it's like <laughs> oh, we really need a dragon need con it. again when all when the all clear is given absolutely so, And what else do you have uh, with you here? You have a uh, the game board, which uh, oh, yeah. is this rarely board. mentioned.
1: Yeah, I, it's never been open. It, I don't know if you can see it. There we go. It. Yep. Yeah, I've never opened it. It's in its brand new mint condition. I don't even keep it out because I don't want dust to gather on it. And this was given to me on my first trip out there. Wow. I don't remember. Actually, no, I do remember. I, I, I don't Donna, the woman, I think her name is Michelle Coleman. If okay, I yes, the visual from, effects.
0: Yes, yeah, I MGMs. believe she's the
1: one who gave this to me. Wow. And at the time, uh, I was out there with a lot of staff people. We were shooting that segment out there. One of the staff members said, I'll hold this for you. He was a fan of the show. Of course, I, that did not happen. I did not let this let go of this box. I, I kept it under my arm. Everywhere I went. <laughs> when Absolutely. I shoot, yeah, when I had to shoot, I, I gave it to someone else. <laughs> and the moment they yelled, cut, I went and grabbed my box. <laughs> yeah, I never let, I separated from this box. My only regret is that I never got it autographed. But yeah,
0: that's, that's the the th- the downside of it being under the yeah. packaging. It's like, well, you know, that's really cool, man. Uh thank you for sharing that. Yeah, the yeah. uh one of my favorite beats from the Conan segment is uh uh oh, Marsha is watching right now. So, hi, hi. Marsha.
1: Hey, hey Marsha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite beats from from the Conan segment is after you had said, you know, Stargate is way better without Dr. Daniel Jackson um off screen daniel gets his uh his his chance
1: revenge
0: <laughs> and so they they put all the um uh the squibs. the squibs that's it that's the word what was that like
1: oh those squibs hurt <laughs>
0: yes they did
1: they're not painful, but they hurt.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they absolutely. Walk,
1: you feel that impact.
0: <laughs> Jeez, man!
1: And remembering to keep your arm out because you don't want your arms in front or correct. Was, yeah, so it's like yeah, yeah. They they. That's interesting. So you know, I, I've grown a new appreciation for that. Whenever I watch shows where people are being shot, the I, I understand what they must be feeling when those things are going off. <laughs> there
0: is nothing that. Uh, just, I mean, just because it's it's maximally safe does not mean it doesn't hurt.
1: Yes, <laughs>
0: you know, like the guy who gets re- he gets hit by a car in uh, in Cloverdale in SGU. I mean, that he walked away in pain in the in that episode, and it's just like the, these people they they put on a show for the camera. Um, Rob Cooper and I just recently had a discussion about Vegas, the the penultimate Stargate Atlantis episode, and how the the camera um, cut. They ran out of film while this guy was doing a nine story fall in Vegas, and it's like you know if he's going to risk his life for you, at least you can do is film it. And they <laughs> they ran out of film.
1: So they had to do a retake.
0: No, they didn't. They they oh. the guy who was running the camera, he was like, "Yeah, we got it." And then they got back up to Vancouver, he was like, "No, we didn't get it." But they had other oh, cameras, so that. they cut the they cut the footage together, but the seamless shot was not captured. Wow. So, it's just a uh, So, absolutely. So, did you and Michael Shanks ever have a bit about your line about Jonas being better <laughs> than Daniel? No.
1: No, actually, that never—that nothing ever came of that. When I—I I, I do remember how we first met, which was great. Uh, he came into the trailer, and at the time, I'm thinking he's going to give me an earful, right? But or at he, least, you know, just
0: good humored about it. Yeah,
1: but I think when he walked into the trailer, I can tell that he was unsure of me. He wasn't sure who I was and <laughs> what that bit was about and stuff, but. Quickly, we, we he warmed up to me. I warmed up to him. The, he he understood it was a joke, and right. yeah, we started talking. And like I said, the people out there, that entire crew, they're just so welcoming. It's, mm. it's 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 for someone who works in who worked in entertainment, it's scary to to see how welcoming and open they were right. out there towards me. I mean, they're just genuinely good people I, and yeah I, not yeah. that i'm saying a lot of people are bad but it just that i just experienced something different
0: right the tone that was set on the stargate yeah. set was very different no pretentiousness whatsoever yeah. it just wasn't None. allowed yeah you know, it wasn't tolerated and that carried through throughout the throughout the whole thing have you have you ever met corin
1: nimic Uh yes, actually backstage (laughs) at DragonCon, we have took a photo. I met him and Jason Momoa. They were panelists on us on one of the Stargate uh, tracks at DragonCon, and I met them backstage. Yeah, nice guys.
0: Good guys, absolutely. I have some questions for you submitted by the audience.
1: Please bring them on.
0: All right. And uh, GateGab wanted to know, do you have any new Stargate artwork that you can share with us? I guess you already answered that question with the one that you have in development. Yes. Okay. So I'll yeah. have you back Is for the,
1: that. Yeah. As soon as I get uh, have something that I'm comfortable showing, I'll yeah. show it.
0: Yeah. Even if we just have a smaller segment, absolutely. I'm getting ready to do some smaller segments, some more abbreviated okay. ones. So perfect. Uh, Redux if wants to know, if asked... Would you be interested in reprising Sergeant O'Brien in uh, in the fourth Stargate series, SG4? Heartbeat. heartbeat. heartbeat.
1: In a heartbeat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and are you comfortable and furious enough to articulate and speak for the Stargate fans what they are feeling?
1: Yes. Stargate <laughs> yes. back on the air. Absolutely. You know, I hear right now that Amazon is in negotiation for MGM I I need this to happen quickly because my instinct tells me they will bring Stargate back, you know.
0: But are they going to reboot it? That's I, my fear. My fear is that they're going to be like, you know, what? We're not going to do 350 hours. We want to do something fresh.
1: Yeah, I, I again, I'm not crazy about re- reboots, but if that's the only way we're going to get, okay. at this point, I'm willing to take whatever is given. I would prefer it not be a reboot. I I think there's a lot of story in Stargate to build upon. There is no need to reboot the characters. The characters have been established. Let's create new characters and bring, and bring, update the 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 environment similar to what they did with the last two seasons of stargate by bringing claudia in and beau mm-hmm. you know they they brought new characters in and expanded the story moved it forward and i would prefer they did that as opposed to trying to reboot i mean seriously who, who on earth can you replace richard dean anderson with i know there's no one who can you replace amanda tapping there is no one Nope. Who are you going to replace Michael with? There's no one. Chris Judge goes without say. Saying you can't replace these guys. Anyone you bring to imitate them will be inferior. They they cannot be replaced. So my feeling is not even. Don't even waste time going there. If the thinking is, well, we'll reboot it because the fans, they're older and they may not want care. Guess what? We care. Star, we, Stargate is in our blood. We, we have, I, I forgot uh, I forgot the name of the substance that the ghouls have in their blood. Uh, it's Naquita. like Naquita. We, we have Naquita in our blood. We, <laughs> no matter how old we are, we are going to be Stargate fans. You give That's it to right. us, we'll be there, regardless of age. So yeah. the, the story of you need to reboot doesn't fly. Just give us new stories. Put it out there. And the toys. You know, mm-hmm. I, I put like I said, I put a couple of things out, but it dawned on me. We're lacking. We need some serious toys. I get it. MGM is in flux. You can't get licensing things to work. But Funko, get get on the ball here. Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. I, I would say every single fan out there would probably build an army of super soldiers. They would probably buy two dozens or maybe more of those Funko Pops just to create a scene of super soldiers. That's right. Think about that. A pop costs 12 bucks. How much money you guys at Funko will make off of Stargate is almost obscene. I think it would. Do Stargate can run your business. You can drop <laughs> all your other products. Quite frankly, <laughs> you get start making Stargate products. I mean, I want to see Stargate crayons. I want to see Stargate coloring books. I want to see yeah. Stargate miniatures. I want to see Stargate the Hot Wheel mo- toys. I want, I want Stargate everywhere. A couple of bobbleheads and fan created stuff is cool, but. I, I want merchandise that is Stargate. I want, I want, I want Stargate blankets. I want Stargate clothing. I, I, I want, uh, I want Stargate to be represented the way they've represented Star Wars and Star Trek. Because Agreed. quite frankly, Stargate is bigger and better.
0: All right, dang it, ugly pig, Pierre. Uh, are you comfortable and angry? <laughs>
1: comfortable and furious, David. <laughs>
0: Oh, thank you, sir. That's great. Teresa MC, would you step through the Stargate?
1: Yes. No way. Yeah. No, are yeah. you kidding? No. No. no, let them
0: do all the dangerous stuff. <laughs> of uh, course. And Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, let me see here. Steffer's Tune, The um, I guess you've kind of answered this. Was your favorite convention that you have attended or participated in?
1: Yeah, Dragon Con, hands down.
0: All right, absolutely. M.E. says, did Pierre get anyone else on Late Night with Conan O'Brien into Stargate?
1: Uh, I think a, a couple of staff members were watching the show or were into it. I don't know if I got them into it, but they were aware of it. Like I said, I know that one person that traveled with us was a Stargate fan. And he was the one who was eyeing that box. <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah. So you got to keep that away from him. I don't know what's going to happen yeah. to that. For sure. <laughs> Brian O'Neill Singleton, uh, were you the recipient of any cast pranks?
1: Uh, was there any pranks done on me? No, not really. No, no. Unfortunately, no one pranked me.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know what? I mean, that, that, that zombie uh, makeup, how long did that take?
1: the zombie makeup took about two, I think somewhere between two to three hours. Wow. Yeah, it was a long process. The, she, she did an incredible job on that. I mean, when I, when I looked at myself, I thought they actually did skin me and the bone was coming through. No, wow, that realistic. Job.
0: Yeah. Wow, yeah. amazing. And was it one take with the squibs? Did you
1: guys... Uh, with the squibs, I... I want to say I believe there were two takes. Okay. I could be remembering wrong, but I okay. think there were two.
0: What was Ben like? Was he fun?
1: Uh, uh I'm trying to remember.
0: Ben Browder was the one that shot yeah, you up.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I Ben, don't take it personally. I remember we took some photos together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. He was nice. He was genuinely okay. nice. I'm trying to think of something personal that occurred between me and him. It wasn't anything personal per se, Yeah, but he was genuinely nice. Oh, you know who someone I should mention? Uh, Don Davis. Oh. Don, uh, I met him briefly. I regret we never got a chance to shoot together, but I got a chance to talk to him offside. We didn't videotape this, unfortunately. But we were just talking artist to artist because somehow it came up that he did watercolor as well. And we started talking and he was asking me about my life and stuff. And I was telling him and he was telling me about his life and and how he approaches life and the industry in general and how and how to have a perspective on all of this stuff. And one of the things I, I recall him saying, I can't say it word for word because I don't remember it word for word, but it was along the lines of, he was happily married. They had a cottage somewhere near a lake or a river in, that ran in their backyard. And when he wasn't on set, him and his wife were out there and she he was in a relationship where she understood him mm-hmm. and appreciated what he did. And he was able to be an artist and enjoy his art and be with, oh, uh, the reason this came up was because at the time, and I'm not going to use names so I won't get myself in trouble. The time I was dating someone who didn't quite appreciate what was going on with the TV stuff. Yes, this is what it, it came up because he was asking me about my life, and I was telling him that I was seeing someone at the time who didn't quite appreciate Stargate or any of what was going on in my life. And he was telling me the importance of having people in your life who understand you and appreciate what you do and is supportive. And that's how he came about telling me about his art wow. and his wife and stuff.
0: Yeah. Ruby, Ruby's yeah. amazing to this day.
1: Yeah, and I it was, I took it all in. I, I, I definitely took that in. And till this day, whenever I meet someone, I think I might be interested in, I could hear Don's voice in my head, you know, telling me, is this, is this person right do they understand what i'm doing do they have wow. an appreciation yeah i i hear don's voice because that, that, it was it was deep it was an impactful conversation
0: i those of us who are lucky enough to to meet him um i think about him all the time you know and he's you you cannot separate sg1 and don s davis you can't do it you know whether he was whether he was in command of the base at the time or not uh that he man I miss him absolutely oh yeah yeah um wanted to note that the uh, the telchak device here is this is the same one from your scene oh wow so this is the one that lights up um nice. i i don't the batteries in it are not working right now otherwise right. I'd, I'd show it off but uh, that's the the same one that was made for 200 it was it's not the one from uh, evolution one and two so right. this, i have a little piece of your scene with me on my own set so right. <laughs> very that's cool mean. thank you <laughs> <laughs> uh let me see here Steffer's tune who was your favorite sg1 antagonist my favorite
1: SG-1. You mean for the show, not a yes. person in real life? Yes. Antagonist um, like villain. My favorite villain, it goes without say. Ball, uh, Ball Simon. He, he was, yeah, him. Wasn't I mean, he a genius? Every Everything. He, he, he bought a sophisticated... He made being a villain cool yes he did he just he just made being a villain cool <laughs> I, I could not hate him even though i wanted them to stop him i, I didn't hate him it's like he just made being a villain cool
0: <laughs> yeah the the news of of cliff's passing that was that yeah. was a, a hard day yeah. um but um man he the left only... us with a great character
1: oh totally the only thing uh about his passing i am I'm happy is that he was doing what he enjoyed. Correct. You know, that's one of those things for me personally, I'm always thinking about, I don't know how I'm leaving this planet, but I'm hoping it could be maybe I'm drawing. It would be cool. Yeah. I, I, I doing wanna, what you love. Yeah. Doing what you love. I think that's the best way to leave in mm-hmm. that state. That Anyway.
0: Well, his wife said, <laughs> you <laughs> know, the beach was his temple. And you know, yeah. if that's, if that's what it comes down to, if you have to go, that's that's yeah it absolutely. Um, let me see here. So people are saying Dial the Gate should do a Recliner of Rage Stargate edition. Uh, we one of the comments <laughs> that was made um, uh, uh, in the forum, uh, I forget where, but maybe it was on Facebook or something. Is that if Pierre doesn't show up with his recliner, we're all <laughs> we're all rioting. And I'm like I don't know if he's got the recliner.
1: <laughs> I, I don't have the recliner. but yeah. the, the recliner itself, I don't know if it even exists. If it exists, it's in the basement somewhere on the NVC lot <laughs> out here. Because I know they flew it out here, even though they weren't planning to use it. So it's in the basement in some lot somewhere. I oh, have a recliner similar to the one that we used prior to the checkered the pattern fabric one. There was a green recliner. Yeah. One we originally worked with. And I have one similar to it here. That's
0: where your design is is based on behind you there. Yes. So, how funny is that? All right, man. That's uh that's that's basically the the lineup of fan questions. Pierre, this has been fantastic having you on. I've, oh, thank I've you. been looking forward to this for a really long time and I really appreciate you sharing your stories and um you know, really such such a uh, such a big part of your your soul uh with with fandom because I I think we are really all of us are kindred spirits and uh you know, there's if, if there is a chance for a for a fourth Stargate, I do hope to to see you on it in some capacity as oh, a nod as a to background. all of us. Right. Yeah.
1: Even in background, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Best of luck on this Stargate project that you're working on.
1: Oh, thank you. And thank I'm
0: you. looking forward to uh, having you back to show it off.
1: Oh, I can't wait to do that. And, I, you know, I can't say thank you to, enough to you and everyone out in Vancouver, even though it's so many years now, but yeah, I, those guys, they gave me a memory that, like I said, will never leave me. I mean, I know at some point I probably will lose all memory of everything else, but that memory of those visits out there, they will stick with me. They, 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 yeah, they mean a lot to me.
0: And I can't even express,
1: I don't even have the, the vocabulary to express how much, the the those uh, three trips out to Vancouver mean to me. They they just yeah they're priceless. The the memories, the photos, the videos, they're they're just priceless. They're absolutely priceless.
0: One last thing, if you yeah, don't mind. Yeah. would you no. please uh, uh, sh- share your line with us from the show?
1: Uh. Which which the beginning? The the, the uh, one,
0: uh, the, the one with uh, O'Neill coming into the um, uh, coming into the control room.
1: God. Oh, God. I don't remember my life. Oh, God. I
0: we have audio contacts, or it's Colonel Carter.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Oh, God. I knew I would be stomped. <laughs> <laughs> General Neal, it's Colonel Carter.
0: There we go. All right, I'll take it.
1: <laughs> That's
0: great. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you, Dave. I will have you back real soon. I'll um, I'll I'll text you. Definitely.
1: I'll be in touch.
0: Definitely. You take care of yourself, sir. Okay. Yeah. We'll, be, we'll work past. on that. The, that yeah, that thing. Yeah, we need
1: right. a we need a stargate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Pierre. Really appreciate you. I'll go ahead and wrap it up on this end.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Be well,
0: sir. Bye, bye. Guys, now.
1: take care. Bye.
0: Pierre Bernard, Sergeant O'Brien on Stargate SG-1. That was great. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Yeah, so uh, so Pierre has indicated that he's working on a um, uh, uh, new Stargate art piece. So when that is uh, underway, we'll absolutely um, have him back to show it off. So... Very very cool, Goran Andonowski. Any chance Bo Bridges and Mitch Peleggi could be guests on Dial the Gate? Uh, Bo has um, uh, respectfully declined for the time being. Mitch, I was hoping to see him in Pensacola, uh, and then he pulled out of Pensacon, so I didn't end up going. But I do I do need to reach out to him. Uh, Michael Mitchell, have you ever noticed that there were a lot of Star Trek Easter eggs in a lot of episodes of SG One? Yes. Because Brad Wright specifically was very much a uh, a Stargate fan. And then, would a revival also include the child of Jack O'Neill? I guess he's saying from... Um, I, if he's not referring to Charlie, is he referring to the... uh, uh What was her name? Was it Lara in, uh, in season three from 100 Days? That would be interesting. That would be really interesting. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see. So, yes, so the big news right now is that amazon is is uh, is currently a high bidder for um, the MGM archives. So we'll have to see what happens there. I think that's all we've got for you here. Um, click the like button, share and subscribe the show. Uh, it makes a difference with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us uh, grow our audience. Uh, so next weekend, we have the uh, list of the 12 things that we would like to see in the next Stargate series. So Darren and I are going to be putting that on together at noon on May the 30th, followed by part four of our interview with Robert C. Cooper, discussing uh, we're going to do a deep lot dive into Atlantis from beginning to end, and that's going to be May the 30th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. My big thanks to uh, Pierre Bernard for making this show possible. Really appreciate having him on. And tremendous thanks to Tracy keith jeremy reese anthony uh summer linda Gate Gabber fury and jennifer kirby my production team and moderators who make the show possible you guys I, thank you so much for making this a thing week after week and until next uh weekend with our pre-recorded shows my name is david reed for dial the gate see you on the other side dial the gate is hosted and executive produced by david reed the producer is darren sumner Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Orrs. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Hommel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com.